I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas, and in this video, I want to bring us back into the Gospel of Mark. Mark has a rapid style of writing. Sometimes there isn't a lot of detail. He moves from one event to the other very quickly. Mark says, here's what happened, and now this happened hundreds of times. Mark uses that little word, and, and now, and immediately. Well, we can consult Matthew, Luke, and John for more details with some of the things that Mark only gives us in abbreviated format, but Mark has a rapid style that places emphasis on the actions of Jesus. We need that. In this video, Mark chapter 2. Listen, please, as I read verses 1 through 12. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like this? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit, that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Already, here in Mark chapter 2, we are told of Jesus' fame. Crowds are gathering and pressing against him. His emphasis, however, was not to play to the crowd or entertain them. It wasn't about numbers. It was always about people hearing the truth and being saved. Verse 2 says he was preaching the word to them. On this occasion, while Jesus was preaching, a paralytic man was put before Jesus 
from the roof by four of his friends. First, Jesus saw their faith and then said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, here in this event is this early opposition to Jesus. Some of the scribes and Pharisees thought in their hearts Jesus was guilty of blasphemy. Jesus knew what they were thinking. Jesus' response was to heal the paralytic. There were witnesses present who said, we never saw anything like this. Remember, it is indicated in this passage and in John 20, 30, and 31 that these miracles were and are evidence of who Jesus is. I come now to verses 13 through 17. Mark 2, 13 through 17. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, once again, please notice in verse 13 what Jesus is doing. His primary work is reported with these words. He was teaching them. And in the course of this teaching, he saw Levi, Matthew, sitting at the tax booth. And he called him, follow me, Jesus said. And Levi rose and followed him. Jesus was eating with sinners and tax collectors. Many followed him, but who didn't like this? The scribes of the Pharisees. Then there is this wonderful, instructive response. I'm at verse 17 in Mark 2. And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Next, I'm at verses 18 through 22, and a question came up. Mark 2, 18 to 22. Now, John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and people came and said to him, why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests fast 
while the bridegroom is with them. As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. Verse 21, Jesus went on to say, No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. Now, there is some imagery here that we may not be familiar with. Fasting was mostly associated with grief or mourning, unhappy times, uncertain times. Jesus and his disciples were not under a grief management program. They were like people with the bridegroom, happy and content. Later, there might be an occasion for some sadness, but not in the presence of Jesus at this time. Jesus was delivering good news. His presence on earth, the Son of God, prophecy fulfilled, teaching, then his sacrifice for sin and resurrection. Jesus' words about new wine into old wineskins may be a reference to Jews who wanted to package Jesus in with the old covenant and with the traditions of Judaism. Anything like that would be a perversion or a corruption of what Jesus' mission was. Mark 2, 23 to 28. Mark 2, 23 to 28. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. At this point, in his early ministry, Jesus has three kinds of followers. There are those he called who left what they were doing and they were following him. They began to follow him. Simon, Andrew, James, John, and Matthew. <coughs> there are others in the crowds who are simply curious. They have witnessed Jesus' miracles and they are astonished to hear some of the things he said, and they are following 
and watching cautiously, mostly out of curiosity. And the third group are the scribes and Pharisees who are watching intently in an effort to find some fault, some violation of their tradition, some opinion they believe needs to be exposed. So in this paragraph, 23 to 28, these are the men who are the watchers who want to be the accusers. And here is something that came up more than once about the Sabbath. God's law about the Sabbath for the Jews was simple. It was not a lengthy rule book. You have passages in Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, a few other references in the Old Testament. Now, there is a difference between God's law about the Sabbath in the Old Testament and the added traditions and regulations written by and enforced by the scribes and Pharisees. However difficult this passage may be, here's what we all know. We know that Jesus was a Jew who lived under the law of Moses, and the Bible is clear that he never violated the law he was under, and he never endorsed or encouraged any violation, nor did he ever grant to anyone an exception to the rules given by God. Jesus would not set such a precedent. So, looking at the incident in Mark 2, 23 to 29, Jesus' disciples did something the scribes and Pharisees considered to be sinful, but there was no violation of God's law. So that's where you start. We know Jesus would not violate the law he was under and would not endorse or encourage any violation nor grant any exception to the rules of God. We also know the scribes and Pharisees were anxious to find anything they could use to discredit Jesus, but failed every single time. So all of that is what we take into this passage, all of that that we understand. All that said, there is another part of this we need to address. What David and his men did. Was David and his men guilty when they ate the bread of the presence? Look at verse 26. That was unlawful. So I believe the point being made here is Jesus' disciples were not guilty. They just ate food. It was a meal. It wasn't the work of harvesting. David and his men were wrong, yet historically, the scribes and Pharisees did not accuse David. That's my understanding of this, based on this passage and the parallel account over in Matthew chapter 12. There are other viewpoints about this, and you can, you can study those and consider those. I've given you my understanding. And where I think all of us agree is Jesus 
did not violate the law he was under, nor did he ever endorse or encourage a violation of God's law. So that's Mark chapter 2. And since it isn't a long chapter, we have some time and opportunity to consider several takeaways and lessons highlighted in Mark chapter 2. So back to the opening scene in chapter 2. I think there is something incidental that is deserving of some attention. It's not the main idea, but it's in the passage and it illustrates something valuable for us to consider. Friendship is illustrated by the four men who made certain the paralytic was brought into the presence of Jesus. I've heard a lot of preachers use this illustration about how we should engage in extraordinary efforts to bring people into the presence of Jesus. I understand that's not the main thrust of this narrative, but here is this illustration. Four men who did some relatively difficult work just to get their friend into the presence of Jesus. Something else here in Mark 2, we are able to see Jesus' commitment to preaching in Capernaum. He was preaching the word to them by the sea when he called Levi. He was teaching them. There were people who wanted to see miracles and wanted Jesus to use his power to provide food. There were men in the Jewish leadership who wanted Jesus to not preach and teach at all, just go away. He was a threat to their religious system. Jesus wasn't moved by any opposition or any materialistic interest in his miracles. Mark, throughout the book, will put before us Jesus' commitment to preaching and teaching. I think there is a statement in verse 17 that I have on the graphic that we ought to talk about. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. There may be people we talk to or associate with in some way, perhaps in the workplace or in our families, and they just think that everything is all right. They do not follow the teachings of the New Testament, not too concerned about that. They just think everything is all right. They may speak of Jesus favorably. They may never speak of Jesus critically, or some of our friends may never speak of Jesus much at all, but they exhibit an attitude that shows what they think, <coughs> that everything is just all right. They don't need anything else in their life. Ask many people, are you right with God? And they will just say yes, but they never put a very firm commitment to that about God's word, the teaching of Christ. They think they have no need of a physician, a spiritual physician, because they are convinced they are well. They're in good spiritual health. Those who can be reached and saved 
are those who know they are not well, that their relationship with God isn't what it should be. They are guilty sinners. They are spiritually sick, and it is terminal. They can be reached. We need to introduce those people to the great physician. I've had the experience in conversation with people where someone gives a whole list of what they think they need in life. They have a list of demands or needs, and the tone of the conversation is, if I had all these things in my life on my list, everything would be fine. And when they show their list, it is money or some person in their life or some job or some kind of help or relief from a victim or whatever. Sometimes what we need to say to these people is what you need is the great physician. I knew a preacher once who would use this as an opening to start a conversation with a non-Christian. He would say, can I make an appointment for you with the great physician? This was his way of inviting someone to study the Bible and learn the gospel and respond. All of us need the great physician. I have another takeaway. Let me say something about watching people to accuse or find fault in contrast to watching people to see how you can help them. Reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we can see scribes and Pharisees as men with a very keen eye, with 20-20 vision to find fault, but with virtually no eye for good to help people and teach people. Again, let me say that. We can see the scribes and Pharisees with men of very keen vision to find fault, but with virtually no eye for good. And so the principle or the lesson is, if we are watching people or following people in order to find fault, if we have developed that keen eye that only looks for evil, we need a complete overhaul of our vision our attitude. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. We need to be looking to people to discover how we can help them, how we can lift them down in the presence of Jesus like those four men. That's our study of Mark chapter 2.